0: this is Louise Campbell, co-host of Surfing the National Army podcast. This weekend we're offering four conversations from season three episode 49, our discussion about fibroscan scan use in the community settings in the UK and the recent NICE meeting on this subject, plus from the vault a section of our coverage of the first NICE meeting on the subject back in March of this year. In Conversation 4 centres around how to create and train on getting meaningful test results to patients. Roger Green notes that in the recent National Army episodes, individuals in several key countries have stated that their countries could not automate Fib4 simply because liver enzyme tests are not standard in blood panels. This leads Will Alazawi to suggest that a campaign similar to the one for people with diabetes on learning about their HbA1c levels might go a long way to driving between enzyme collection and Fib4 use. Ian Rowe asks which which number we would use for the liver. I note the FibroScan results do provide that kind of numbers, kilopascals and CAP. And I note while FibroScan has value, acquisition is too expensive to provide at scale for many areas. But the less expensive tests are not adequately standardised and validated as predictive at an individual level. The rest of the conversation centred on the ways to consider the uses of tests and major changes we as panellists would like to see in the process. We've discussed several times on this podcast the need to broaden the use of NITs as the primary diagnostic Paradigm and to create and promote guidelines to remove the mystery and confusion from individual physicians finding the best way to do so. In that spirit, sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, how about joining the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group? William Elazawi
1: as for who does do the fiber scanning, I would probably say it's who wants to do it. There will be some people for whom this is just too much and that has to be okay. And there will be others who want to bring it into the surgery and they want to do it themselves. We see that with other things. We see that with skin surgery. We see that with echoes. We see that with ultrasound. GPs can pick and choose what it is they wish to dip a little bit deeper into.
2: Roger Green. So, well, in the last three weeks, we've had this conversation about the UK, about Germany, about Canada, and about the US. So, with the exception of the US, the answer. Answer on fib4 has been the uh, liver enzyme tests aren't standardized, therefore primary care doesn't even have the data they need to do that. How do we make that happen? Um, I assume the pilot you're talking about standardizes all that. Yeah. I mean, Lewis, I got that right, didn't I? Isn't that, isn't that where we keep landing? You're right. I mean, that seems like a pretty self-evident solution. Not a hard test to do, not a perfect test, but not a hard test to do. You just need the standard components and, and it computes itself.
1: So it is imperfect. And I think one has to take a longitudinal view of this, which is that if this becomes a thing that you just do every year, then actually, if the LFTs are slightly down, slightly up one year or another, as long as you pick up the patient and and at some point can do a more detailed scan, if they really are at risk, I think then that's okay. We need to remember that these patients are going to be in some form of long-term care moving forwards. So they may not need to see their liver doctor freak, but it might be that they will be seeing, they'll certainly be seeing one person who's going to be doing their disease review. And if, you know, if primary care continues to evolve in the way it's evolving, you're going to end up with a very multi-morbidity hat on. Again, Ian, you're absolutely right. Why take all of these Multiple risk factors and only focus on one cell type in one organ. So I think you're right, but I think we will be gathering lots of information about patients, or maybe patients will be gathering lots of information about themselves, and then they'll be able to see which of the organ end organs is being more affected in them. So the diabetologists have got HbA1c. What are you going to ask the patients to say? What is my ALT, Fib4, Yeah, liver stiffness? That's really good. You're absolutely right. HbA1c. Is linked to outcome. We know that high HbA1c bad, low HbA1c good. I guess what we're saying. Is maybe we don't want maybe we haven't got that number yet, but certainly I would say that what we're asking is how bad is my fatty liver? So I was talking to a group of radiologists a wee while ago and they said to me, you know, what can we do to help? I said you can do one thing, you can drop one word. When they do a scan, they tell the patient it's just a bit of fatty liver. I said if you just drop the word just, then that would be that would do us a world of good. So you're quite right. We don't have that test yet that's perfect. But maybe we can start the conversation towards how bad is my fatty liver
0: tying both of you in there if you look at people with hypertension they say what are my numbers what's my systolic and diastolic Now, FibroScan is not a perfect test. It is a funnel system to get to the perfect test to pick those patients. So why not? What are my numbers? What's my stiffness? What's my cap? That tells me what my fatty liver disease is. Know your numbers, whether or not you choose to do ALT, AST. But once you're down that pathway, know your numbers because you know whether or not you're improving or not improving. That is a highly great motivator for everybody I certainly interact with. And coming on to Catherine's point, what are the reasons? reasons that I left the health service was to deliver exactly what you're asking. NICE couldn't use, uh, in their fatty liver degrees pathways, FibroScan. There wasn't enough access to it. It is only in bespoke areas. So yes, I'm breaking the mould. I've created a specific team that just do FibroScan because we can go and knock off thousands in the time it takes somebody to even think about it. We can do it in any location. So we are unique at the moment, but we're so unique, you can't even commission fiber scan services. We're so unique that people don't know that you can have an agency fiber scan service come in and do it. We've got 30 to 40 pop-up clinics, locations that we can go into around the country so we can provide those cheaper. So people argue about NHS or private. Actually, it is a combined system where it is always going to be at the point of care and the point of service it is free. But actually, we've already alluded to earlier NHS England doing one thing for liver cancer and screening not connected to what NICE are doing with driving the discussion certainly about giving access to primary care because if that doesn't go through it stays within specialist liver units and most of the teams that I know are overwhelmed by the work that they're getting let alone trying to carry on diagnosing so William's right let the people who want to do it do it because when we do it we want to do it really well we are CQC regulated because it has to be about quality only CQC regulated independent provider of fibre scan. I'm the only person sitting, as far as I'm aware, as an expert who's got both outside and inside NHS experience to talk about the real life community who don't want to be patients and turn around and say, Well, why wouldn't I want to know that I've got liver fat? What can I do about it? Against a healthcare patient who says, Oh, don't tell me I've got something else wrong. There's a total different side. William is right. Just let the people who want to do it do it, but make it as it is a speciality. To do it well, to do it right, and to give that brief intervention are things that are specialist skills. That it's not just a free for all that people can do.
2: So I think we're heading towards violent agreement on some of these points. But I want to go back to the, Louise. I think I totally agree with what you said. I want to go back to the, Will's other point, though, because I think it's important. And this is the one fiber skin doesn't solve. In order to make cholesterol real, they had to do two things. They had to come up with a number and a formula that was different than two standard deviations from the mean, which in this case was, if you told, the first one was if you total cholesterol is over 200. Every 1% elevation in cholesterol leads to a 2% elevation in the risk of cardiovascular disease. And getting a total cholesterol number is cheap. Getting blood pressure is cheap. If you standardize, getting Fib4 is cheap, but probably, the going back to Ian's question, not the number you want everybody to know. I think we're going to be hard-pressed in fatty liver to figure out a number we want everybody to know that's inexpensive to acquire. And Ian, I thought that was the point of your question. Did I get that right?
0: Ian Rowe. Yes,
1: I think so. That we've got loads and loads of tests. We're still not yet agreed what the best one is. And the ones, that we think are probably the best are also the most expensive and, and in many ways difficult to provide at, at
2: scale. Yeah. So let's go full circle to where we started, right? We, we started in this meeting on September 28th asking what have we learned or what is a direction worth going in in terms of fiber scan community use. And we've gone around a whole bunch of really important issues that have a lot more to do with frontline patient care. And then we've got to Louise's comment about the really powerful role used correctly that fiber scan can play once you've identified a patient that has an issue. And back to Wilson point that they don't have just a bit of fatty liver. Maybe they don't have a bit of fatty liver. They have fatty liver, whatever that means. How do we weave all that together into a single vision? Where is the fit for all the different elements of that?
1: Ago, uh, it was all about biopsy and it was unthinkable that you might think you might go down a fatty liver biomarker discovery route without pegging it That's to biopsy. You still see that now in meetings. <laughs> I think increasingly we're realizing that we can do better than that. And actually what we care about are clinical outcomes. And actually we want to know whether or not the fatty liver is itself the driver of pathology or whether it might, if for some people, simply be a biomarker of bad metabolism or bad inflammation or whatever else.
2: We, we rolled past the bottom of the hour, so I think we should probably go to wrap up. If there was one thing in this system worth improving, one finite thing you could snap your fingers and 3, 6, 12 months from now was dramatically different than it is based on everything we've talked about today, what would it be? Brave one, go first.
1: So I really want a simple pathway. One test tells the clinician looking after the patient, whether that's in primary care or secondary care, what that patient's risk of having a liver disease event is in the next 5 or 10 years that would make me very happy and it would simplify decision making and it would simplify pathways a great deal
2: okay Good next Louise you you jumped in at the same time.
0: Well, and t- I was thinking of something else until Ian said that then. And I suppose it would be very similar, but I wouldn't be only related in the liver event. Poor liver health is related to more than just the liver event. So from my holistic side, any event that that patient's at risk of, I would want whether it's type 2 diabetes, whether it's cardiovascular disease, hypertension, high cholesterol, it would be to look at a test. But going back to what I was originally going to think about, it would be to actually Have nice take that leap of faith for the liver disease community and those with poor liver health. Because I think we will then drive the figures of cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes and real data that William talks about once more people in primary care have access to it. Because the one thing I've learned by being out there is the more people know about who's affected by liver disease, the more people want to sc- screen people. And I think a lot of the community projects have shown that exact thing.
2: OK, Kate or Will. Catherine
0: Jack. Um, I think I agree very much with louise's comments about the holistic approach and also i'd agree that it would be good for nice to take a leap of faith with this because it will go some way to reducing health inequalities that are experienced across the population well i don't think
1: i can say anything sensible after my three colleagues have spoken so i'd probably best not say anything but just for completeness uh i just i want to echo that uh yeah you're right i would want to A better understanding of what having a fatty liver and having a bit of fibrosis actually meant, and whether or not this is a person who we need to worry about their liver, or whether actually this is a bellwether for something else that I need to worry about. So that's what I want to understand. I'd I'd like to know. I'd like to be able to give my patient an honest answer when they say, "How bad is this, really, doc?"
2: First of all, all these answers are great, and this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, My my answer, I'm going to come from the other side of the pond, where when you ask about the economics of liver disease. everybody says, oh, no one's going to pay attention to that. That's not a big ticket item compared to everything else. So what makes liver disease such a big ticket item, as Louise points out, is all the other things besides the liver that are relevant to assessment of the real cost of of having a fatty liver. So I think the better job we can do of identifying liver's appropriate place in multi-metabolic life, that will be the step that will motivate, I think, the best solution in the most places.
0: And now back to Louise Campbell we hope you've enjoyed this recording if you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com we'll be back next week and i know we do not have a topic yet so keep your eyes peeled for a preview ads or posts in linkedin twitter or instagram until then as roger would say stay safe surf on and we look forward to seeing you on the podcast bye for now